The following program contains coarse language and nudity. Discretion is advised. Okay, so I guess I need to start. Well, you're the starter. Oh yeah, that's true. Hey everybody, this is Alexis, and this is the Trans Advocate Podcast. Today we have one of our regulars with us. Robin Mack, I'm still here. And two guests, we have... Raj Salhotra. And... Diego Ramirez. Cool. And Diego, we didn't expect, but this is cool because Diego knows all the inside stuff for the He's last few weeks on Raj. <laughs> so, so I, I sort of know what Raj is doing, so I'm going to hit Diego first. Wah. So, so what are you doing here? So I am a videographer. We are actually in the process of doing a documentary for the, the Raj campaign, as well as I am, I just do videos of, like, since I'm recording for the documentary, I can put together little social media videos of the events that he does. Nice. I've seen some good ones. Yeah, I have too. Yeah. Cool. And you did those, huh? And now you know where they came from. Yeah, Yeah. I know where they came from. (laughs) Perfect. And and see, I'm more interested in finding out what you know about what's happening (laughs) than Raj, but that's okay. We'll get there. And and what are you doing, Raj? Um, I am running for city council here in Houston for at-large position one. Um, Grew up here and uh, now back home after law school running for city council. Yeah, there seem to be a lot of people doing that right now, running for city council. I think there's like 120-something people. Is that an all-time high? Yeah. I don't know whether it's an all-time high or not, but but there are a bunch of people. (laughs) There's a lot of us. I think there's like five people in your race. Five of us in our race, yes. So you're doing at-large. At-large. So it means the whole city of Houston. So anybody who lives in Houston um, and votes for the mayor, for example, can vote for us. Okay, great. And then say your full name so everyone who's not on a first-name basis with you can find you. Oh, I forgot to do the practice on pronouncing last name. Oh, do you want to give it a shot? We can edit it out if you fail. Okay. Okay. So what I've always said was Salhotra. That's perfect. Okay, Salhotra. Okay. It's very phonetic. Salhotra. That, that's what Salhotra. I, that's Raj what I Salhotra. And, and, yeah. and I'm not embarrassed to say people's names wrong because... Well, well somebody well, asked me what his last name was, and I was like, it's not for Houston. Because <laughs> it's just so catchy, like Raj for Houston, Raj. I was like, I don't know what his last I'm name is. I'm trying to become a one-name politician. No, it's perfect. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, There's I only don't... one Raj on the ballot. I yeah. go with the one-name hey. thing, you know. <laughs> R-A-J, let's do it. So what things do you think, if you, know, if you get on city council, which... I'm assuming you probably will. Then what are you going to do like the first month? Um, I think the first month, there'll definitely be some learning um, and understanding the ropes and getting the team together. But I think for me, it's I want to do a big listening tour pretty early. I've really enjoyed on the campaign visiting like super neighborhoods, civic clubs um, across the country, going to different groups. And I want to, A, go back to folks and uh, thank them for helping Mm -hmm. us get here. And okay. then B, I want to go and like listen to concerns and issues because I don't know all the answers, but I really want to advocate and listen. Okay, and you have a really active agenda. Like one of your videos um, was saying, like uh, on Tuesday we were here and Wednesday we were here and I don't know at noon we were here and you're just it's pretty action packed. It seems like so I imagine you're getting a lot of listening in as you go too. But Houston's huge. We have a worldwide uh, listener base, but Houston is a lot of square footage. Like, it's a lot to get to. Yeah, and just to put it in context here, 642 square miles. That's bigger Perfect. than a bunch of states, right? It's bigger than several yeah. countries. <laughs> <laughs> and in fact, in certain parts of Europe, it's 
bigger than a bunch of several cars. Right. <laughs> right. Wow. Right. And so it's like we're driving and I was like telling Diego today, like we're going to places across the city every day, filling up the gas tank very frequently. Uh, sure. good thing I have a fuel efficient sure. Honda Accord, but it doesn't matter, the oil companies still appreciate you. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> they do. Thanks, they Houston. Do. <laughs> Well, uh, so you're basically making a dip into the votership, but how many voters would you say are in Houston that you're trying to impact? So we have 1.2 million registered voters. That's where we start at the highest level. Historically, the turnout for a city race has been about 20 to 25%, which is abysmally low. Mm -hmm. Um, And the average voting age is 67. That's the average. Okay. So Wait, 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 wait. So they're almost as old as me? The boomers. (laughs) The average? We have an intergenerational podcast, so Alexis is holding the boomer side. (laughs) I'm I'm doing my best to do the millennial side, and poor little Kristen's just a little curmudgeon in the middle when she's here. And so, so, like, we, you know, we're really focused on, obviously, talking to folks who have traditionally shown up, but also trying to get way more young people involved in Mm -hmm. city races because traditionally they have not shown up and they showed up in 2018 in a real way. And, you know, there were a whole bunch of reasons why, but my hope is can we, and whether it's been high school interns, college interns, hiring younger folks on the campaign, being a 28-year-old myself, um, to try to get young people to kind of get involved because city issues really affect all of us. Right. Like, what affects you on an everyday basis? Do you have a road that has potholes? Mm-hmm. Does your city flood all the time? Mm-hmm. Does, um, does, sorry, do you have adequate public transit to get around? Right. Do you have um, sidewalks? Mm-hmm. So there's all these issues that affect us that are day-to-day issues, and the city works on that. And so we're trying to get that out. That's great, because I always try to tell people when I'm not here, there's like, you know, why does voting matter? Well, I mean, do you hate your life? Because there's so many ways that the city can impact your existence, but they just don't see it. You know, it's hard to separate what a city can do versus what a state can do versus what the government can do. You know, we're, we're just bombarded with a lot of media, but if you don't have the scope of practice, if you will, or, you know, the, your reach to back it up, it's kind of hard to explain. Um, what are some things that you would say are in your like stretch goals so those are your first months right. like like over time what would you want to get to so i think number one is we need to eliminate homelessness in the city okay. of houston we have four thousand homeless people every single night in the city and we can do better we mm-hmm. can make a choice to eliminate homelessness and make the investment and that would be that's a goal that i have for you know whether it's four years or eight years or whatever how, we, how do you do that um so i think Two things. One is we have a you know we have a population that you know perhaps have a mental disability or perhaps are folks with an addiction to a substance of some kind, and I think we need to build truly permanent supportive housing for folks where sure. there are case managers and caregivers and home health aides, and we can pay for that by the reduced visits to the ER. So right now, if an individual is homeless, they call nine one one and they go to the ER, and we all pay for that in the ambulance service, and we all pay for that in the county hospital. We can use savings from that to build permanent supportive housing for folks. Wait, wait, wait. Um, Got to be a little bit policy wonky on that. ER basically paid for by the county, I think. Is City and county, right. So we pay for uh, uh, the ambulance visits, and the county pays for 
Ben Tauber, LBJ. So it so it have to be a city county partnership for yeah, sure. Okay, that's, that's sure. what I was going to say because I was like, oh, that'd be so great. But are they going to chip in? Absolutely, no, no. They, yeah. they, you're right, right, right. Because uh, no, uh, they'll be saving. So that's a, that's a stretch goal. I think another thing that the mayor just came out with here was adopting Vision Zero, which is an idea of can we eliminate all bike and pedestrian deaths and serious injuries? So in the city of Houston, Oof. in the past five years, we've had two thousand bike and pedestrian deaths and serious injuries, and. You know, we don't even have sidewalks everywhere. We don't even have proper sidewalks. Like, right. that's an investment we need to make. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that, that, that's another kind of stretch. Yeah, and the, the one thing, I guess, that um, I look at when we're talking about Vision Zero. Okay. Uh, you know, it, it's great to prevent deaths. Don't get me wrong. But there's a responsibility on both sides. And right. most of it has been pointed toward the automobile drivers. And, you know, I get it that it's the big metal cage type thing. But but there are some problems on the other side that, sure. that need to be looked at. Mm-hmm. Uh, several of the deaths in this area, uh, there is no way that the vehicle that actually you know hit the person was at fault. Well, it, and, and for example, if we have a bike lane, mm-hmm. we need cyclists to be in the lane. Like That's the point of right. having the bike lane. And, 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 and right. I, I am not a strong supporter of the cyclist side because right. <laughs> you know, basically I've had problems with cyclists right. forever. But you also have to make it so that the bike lane doesn't have enough garbage in it and holes and bumps right. that it's going to throw them 10 feet when they hit it. Correct. Right. It's, it's, it's not a good system. You literally can go from one stoplight to the other and not have a lane to be in and as a car, let alone a bike. You know, So it's going to be a large undertaking. Right. And I think another kind of stretch goal that's less a policy detail goal, but just more a broader issue is I think Houston really has a chance kind of over the next four to eight years to be the model for the country because we are currently in terms of uh, demographics, what this country will be like in 20 years. Right. We're and the most diverse city. We're the most diverse city about? exactly in the country. Okay. And so that's what the country is going to look like in 20 years in terms mm-hmm. of the like racial breakdown. And so we have an opportunity to show that it's possible to build a truly multiracial society and we can be that beacon of hope. Mm-hmm. Or we kind of go down this pathway that the, there are some in the country that kind of want us to continue to go down mm-hmm. of sort of divisiveness and hatred. Well, and, and well, one of the things that's interesting, uh, you know, I happen to like the fact, in fact, it's the main reason I'm in Houston, that we are very diverse. Yep. Uh, I've lived a couple places where companies have sent me where everyone looked exactly the same, and it was sort of scary, honestly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's like, okay, this does not feel good. And, and you know, so I really like what we're doing. And the thing I guess I look at is that we don't have any more problems than the cities that are less diverse than us. Uh, it would be really great if we used our diversity and the fact that uh, that diversity, as well as some other things, make our economy a lot stronger than a lot of cities' economies. Right. Uh, to actually improve things. Right. And, and I, I think, you know, a lot of people are like, well, we need to do stuff in spite of. And it's like, no, because of. Right. That, that's the whole thing, because we do have that ability. Uh, I don't think the federal government and the state government are helping no, not at all. Not at all. And, and, and I think that points to part of the reason why I'm so excited about local government. Because at a time when the federal government is um, unquestionably broken, uh, at a time when the state government is, um, you know, not getting anything done, this legislative session, albeit was a bright spot with regard to education at least. It, um, it was drastically better than it was in the previous the session. Previous session. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, in terms of the bills coming out of Texas Senate, for example. Um, but but I think city government and county governments, local government in general, is where real things can get done. 
Mm-hmm. Um, A, because as uh, I think one Supreme Court justice said, cities are laboratories, states and c- cities are laboratories of democracy. We can try things here. Um, and there's, you know, n- new things that are, you know, they're happening in Austin or Denver or mm-hmm. Los Angeles or New York that we can try to bring to Houston and make better. There are things we can do here that will influence other cities. So I think this is where we can have real change uh, in a long-lasting way. So, you know, one of the things that I guess I've seen, and actually this is a comment about Raj and then a question for Diego. <laughs> and, you know, it, it seems to me like you are running constantly and meetings constantly, uh, meeting with people constantly, and I don't see any eat and sleep time. And, and you know, have you been running around with him on that, Diego? I mean, Pretty much. Even today we... We barely had time. Like we had like an hour to to eat pizza, a quick which lunch, was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, I didn't eat breakfast. Only had that small hour of window to eat that pizza. Youthful energy. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we are out all the time. All like it's event to event to event. No, no breaks. Pretty much. How old are you? Since it's a podcast, people can't really. Tell, I'm 21. So. Okay, cool. So and I'm 28. And does do you count for um, Gen Z? Yes, I do. Awesome. I actually learned that like two days ago. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So, so, cool. And, and, and just to go back to the point, I think like we are working really hard, but like what I was, Diego was asking me today, like how much sleep do you need, Raj? And I said, I need eight hours. Seven, pushing it, eight is beautiful. And so like that's something that's important to me. And like I need to spend time with my family and my girlfriend and my friends. And so if that means like a meeting has to get missed because I, you know, that's important to me, then we're going to do that because I've got to stay balanced through this process. Yeah, um, if, if you don't, you basically are going to miss a whole lot of meetings that right. aren't your choice. Correct. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Correct. So what would you say, having run all over Houston, mm-hmm. uh, is the biggest surprise you've come up with or biggest thing that you didn't know that you've learned? You know, I think a couple, I think one thing is, I think when I went into this, I thought that every community has very different concerns. And I thought that the concern in Northwest Houston would be very different than Gulfton, which would be very different than Sunnyside. And of course, there are unique things happening in every community, of course. But I think what I've seen is, broadly speaking, folks want the same thing, whether you're in Sunnyside or Acres Homes or the East End, which is you want a city that's not flood every time it rains, so you're not mm-hmm. paranoid. Like last night was a big rainy day here right. in Houston, and there were folks who were it got scary really. Yeah, quick. it got scary real quick because it yeah. was boom all of a sudden. We're like, whoa! Is yeah. there a hurricane coming right. that like nobody <laughs> talked about? Yeah, exactly. Is that even possible with our current media? Possibly. And, and you know, we have a hurricane that if it goes a little bit south of where they say it is, it's going to end up in the Gulf. It took right. a turn. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And then, yeah. and I mean, and, and by the way, that's sort of a continuous thing. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, right. Hurricanes happen every year a right. lot. Right. And then, I mean, everybody says, Rush, I don't want to sit in an hour of traffic every day. Like, right. nobody wants to sit in traffic. Nobody. That is a universal nobody. concern, right? Or people say, I don't want to drive on a street with potholes, or I don't want to live in a city that is not welcoming to those who are diverse. Mm-hmm. And so the issues, of course, are unique, and the challenges are somewhat distinct, but the overarching values, I think, and policy concerns are very, very similar. And that has been, Alexis, a big surprise to me, because coming in, I thought, oh, communities are all different, everything's gonna be different. But no, in fact, there's a lot, lot more similarity. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of saying, well, people are people, and (laughs) we're more similar than we are different, which is true. Right, right, exactly, Um, exactly right. Yeah, you know, basically, this is a trans advocate podcast. That means we're 
focusing a lot on the transgender community. I have people ask who reads the trans advocate and listens to us, and my answer normally is that transgender individuals are allies and the people that hate us. Uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, that's all fine. That, right. That's a really good audience, in all right. honesty. So how much do you know about the transgender community and the needs of the community and that sort of thing? Um, I will say that I'm not as informed as I could be. Um, and, and, you know, in fact, part of the reason why I wanted to be on this podcast is to learn more about the community and the issues. I, I sort of have these bedrock principles of equality and dignity for everyone and respect. And that's kind of what guides me in knowing that I want equality for everybody. And so I, you know, I feel like I'm learning more. But what I know and, you know, the reason those who cannot see, I have got a 25-page notebook here to fill up of thoughts and <laughs> ideas and issues um, is because, like, I do want to learn and I do want to be an advocate and an ally. Yeah, I mean, basically, the, the, the general equality for everyone approach works for us. <laughs> right. It works really well for us. The problem is that there's always... For most people, or for many people, there's this, well, yeah, everyone should have equality. Everyone should have access to health care. Everyone should have all this stuff, except maybe. And that's where we get into it. It's where they start throwing the butts in. Yeah. Right. Or, well, and and we'll do yours later, which is the thing we always get. Oh, political expedient. My favorite (laughs) game. Oh, yeah. And and we've become very militant against political expedience, to say the least. It's like, tell you what. You take the problem first. We'll be the ones that get it solved, and then you can come up later. Right. Uh, yeah. and, and that sort of thing. So, so you know, it it's a significant problem. It's a lot better than it was, but Washington isn't making it better. Right. Um, making it worse, probably. This legislative session was drastically better than the previous leg- legislative session. Right. And I'm convinced that the reason is because in the previous one, we won. Right. Uh, and I've, I've had people say, well, how can you say we won? And it's like... More than a hundred laws that were negative to the trans community didn't make it through. Right, that sounds like a win. That <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a pretty big win. You know, exactly zero made it through, and so I, I think that that's a, a good thing. In the city of Houston, there's less problems than there are in a lot of other cities, mm-hmm. and that that's a good thing. But we still have problems, and a lot of it comes from the, the homeless things that you were talking about, and people that are on the street and access to medical care, and those sorts of things. But We've always been able to address it here. I say always. For the last few years, we've been able to address it. And right now, with the changeover in judges, um, we're pretty comfortable with the way things go with the courts. I mean, there's a few judges that probably are not supportive, but almost all of them are. Well, and if you have to get into some of these uh, home spaces, that's Mm -hmm. where you get into your ID issues again. That's where you get into barriers again. That's where you get into binary issues again. So. You know, if someone's mid-transition and they say, well, sorry, like, which one do you go to? The male recovery place, the female right. recovery place. And then, like, what if you're in the middle? Well, right. then you just have better odds at being on the streets, you know, right. or you take your odds there, you know, mm-hmm. and it's it's it can be difficult. Um, and we've done different approaches to work with different groups to support people in these endeavors along the way. Right. Uh, but it's 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 a long haul. Right. Um, I just want to add. Can I go into this political expediency point? Because my sure. thought is... Ooh, our favorite game. <laughs> we actually made a game to point out political expediency, and no we one really wants to did. play. But let's really? ask your question first. Yeah. <laughs> so my thought is, sure. if we truly explain issues to people, whether it's like a new ordinance or a new law or a new policy to folks, folks will agree on what we should do, I would think, or let me rephrase it, the majority of individuals, if we were to truly explain uh-huh. what a law does, will agree with it. And so the political expediency argument, I, to me, sounds like a politicians don't want to do the work of explaining it argument. Is that a fair 
read I don't, of I don't it? think like, so. Okay. I mean, there are people who flat hate anyone that's not like them. Right. Uh, I mean, I could name names, and, and there's a few of the people really on the top here. For years, they have been in power politically, mm-hmm. and they have used the fact that they have a lot of power to allow their hate to basically run a lot of what's happened in Houston. That's right. been challenged heavily over the last several years. Right. They've lost. They don't have much power anymore. Right. And so now there's no... There's not as much. Okay. But the problem is that if you go out and you've got, say, five, ten million dollars to run TV ads, yeah. to run billboards, to throw stuff all over Facebook, that is a pure lie. Right. Like the lie that the, the group that I was talking about earlier came out with uh, when we were before the interview, um, that group essentially published all the ads that said no men in women's restrooms for hero. Right. That's a pure lie. lie. Never happened. The way they said it didn't happen. They were, there's already a law against that on the books. The law on the books is real simple. And that is you can't go into a restroom to cause a disturbance. Right. Period. That's already there. (laughs) It it doesn't matter. And it's been there since the sixties. Well, and to your point, no amount of explaining that made a difference. Nope. And to, to your, to your question, uh, so, the, so actual, we... the actual ordinance already had what worked for the bathrooms. Right. So right. It, it didn't make a difference. Yeah, and in fact, the ordinance, the hero ordinance, had nothing on restroom right. use. Right. And and so you know the, the key though was that they put it out there. They spent tons of money. Uh, they did it over, over, and over again, and panicked everyone. And so when they you know sent it to the ballot, everybody's like, well, you know, I'm not for men and women's restrooms, and it's sort of like. That's not what's, that's not what's in the ordinance or anything else. We even had trans people starting to say, like, you know, I'm worried about these restrooms and the people that are in yep. it. And we're like, whoa, no, so no, no. They're a, talking it about was a misinformation you. campaign. Absolutely. And, and it was done very yeah. well. And in fact, the group that did that, that sort of pushed it, not the ones who had their names on it, but the right. people that pushed them uh, made a film about how you uh, counter uh, equality legislation by attacking the trans bathroom use. Uh, they made the film. They had this big rollout uh, gala at La Griglia down here and went across the street to River Oaks Red Theater Oaks. to do the first showing. And wow. interestingly enough, we decided to have a small group picket so mm-hmm. that it wasn't a big thing. But we also were there interviewing and photographing the people coming in. And several of them gave us interviews. And wow. all of them knew that race was the number one discrimination issue, not trans. Yep. They're not just a bunch of trans haters walking around. Right. Wow. It was race. Yeah. Race yeah. is the number one discrimination call that the city of Houston was getting, not trans. Right. There's not yeah. even enough population I mean, to have the, that the be The short an issue. time that Hero was there, that's really all of the calls. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so, but it, it was sort of interesting because, uh, fortunately, most of the people that we have pictures of who were politicians that showed up are no longer in office. And we're happy about that. Uh, yes, absolutely. You know, yeah. we, we like to think we helped. And there's yeah. a few uh, more we need to. Yeah, we still yeah. have some. <laughs> there's always work to do. <laughs> you know, but, uh, but, you know, the, the big thing about it is. They have no reasons for this. It's just that just they hate. decided, you know, and I'd say they have no reasons. That's wrong. They have a That's reason wrong. because this hate gives them a platform and they make a huge amount of money off of pushing the hate. Right. Uh, one of the people who sort of the head person with this makes literally a couple million dollars a year mm-hmm. on cards that they send out for people that they charge really high fees for uh, coming into elections yep. that say vote this way because you don't want and fill in the blank of all the hate speech. My mom does not live in Harris County and mm-hmm. she gets all the mail, the anti-trans mailers wow. and she continued to get anti-trans mailers after hero was shot down. Mm-hmm. Why? 
And all it does is piss her off about trans people. And it has nothing to do with trans people. Right. It has weird graphics on there that's not even trans. It, it you know, has weird lies. But next thing you know, she hates trans people. And, right. And the problem is that if uh, they're spending hundreds of millions of dollars, which they are, and we're, we have no money. I mean, we're, we're not the rich people in right. town. And then we have organizations from mm-hmm. outside this area that come in to, quote, help. They raise a lot yeah. of money. Some and, of them are preachers. Yes, some of them. And they take their money and go home because they don't spend it on anything. That's a real problem for us. Yep. Yeah. And yep. so, so that that the explanation is all good, but you know you got to be a little bit careful about yep. being able to do it yep. in the face of you know heavy media load. So right. I think there are some people that are genuinely curious and will make a critical thinking, educated decision. Right. Like I definitely think there are those people. We're not talking about those people, and they're not the majority. No. They aren't. Yeah. Well, they're not the ones that are making the money off I of mean, these right, hate sure, problems. Sure, 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 I mean, right. so they're not open to debate. They're not open to discussion. In fact, if you give them a mic, they will sound as dumb as possible. Right. They will sound really dumb. And this is what will this is what will set them out in front of like everyone else. So they'll sound as if, geez, I just want to figure this out. You know, I'm a very good uh Christian believer, as it turns out, they're always like Christian believers and really good believer. In fact, I even have a brother who's gay. Like they'll just throw that out there, yeah. Brenda. And <laughs> so this and is they'll the soak up gay or trans yeah. person. Yeah, so, yeah. so they'll say this, and it doesn't matter what state they're in, and it doesn't matter what <laughs> what position you know. And so it hooks you like God. They just care. No, they don't. No, they're they soaking don't. up your time, and yeah. they know they know the game because they've already been paid off. Like, and you yeah. have to when when I listen to these people, I say. Okay, so are these people really that ignorant? Like, are they are they just so, you know? Um, or is there something else? <laughs> yeah, like, did they not? Were they a part of the generation that didn't have Google? Like, I can be like that, right? Like, okay, fine. You know, have they done some really great self care to not get in any current media whatsoever, including the media that the president and the vice president talk about? Like, maybe, maybe they're my fucking heroes, but right. that's not right. really the case. Right. And then you finally realize, like, five to ten minutes into this, like. Oh, they don't, they're not really connecting the dots. They're not really, they don't really care. They already know. And so I'll say to people like, do this, do these people care about a fictitious boogeyman in the bathroom? You know, more like they did when blacks couldn't use the bathroom, more like they did when trans can't use the restroom. It's the exact same marketing. Do they care more about that boogeyman or do they actually care about the human beings that have to use the restroom and those that are being denied the restroom? Right. And And, that's the real question. And and the big thing with political expedience, the the transgender community has experienced over and over and over again a a very inclusive, comprehensive anti-discrimination law being taken to Congress or the legislature or the city council. And as the deals are being made, Mm -hmm. the deal is, well, you can exclude the transgender community because they don't need this. And that's said by our supposed supporters who've been collecting money from us. And they'll even oh, say, it. like, you know, they don't, you know, to your to your question, like, well, we don't have the time. If we look, we got to get this passed right now. We can leave these people behind, and we we at and, some and, point and they'll always come back and get yeah, us. Yeah, at some point <laughs> they'll come. What decade? I don't know. They'll come back and get us. But I mean, also, what what other job do they have to do? Right. Like, yeah, agreed. What know, else do they, that, 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 that they can't. have plenty of time and, to have midnight meetings? You know, when everyone else is sleeping, depending on what chair you're sitting in. But agreed. all of a sudden, in that moment, they don't have time. I call bullshit. 
And they, they always yeah. come back and profusely apologize oh, to the trans community they're because so they need sorry. fundraising. Right. And then and they would bit. love to understand so, more. They would love. They would love it. They yeah, would so, just love it. So we did a political expedience game because we were in a meeting. We where came this up with was, a game. This was being, you know. It was ridiculous. Being thrown around. out there, shall yeah. we say, and one of the local politicians was surprised that Bless he got pushback because yeah. he didn't realize there were five trans people at his table. Uh, he's sitting at the table and he said, I've never met any trans people, and we all raised our hand. <laughs> he's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, and, oh, shit. You yeah, know? pretty much. Like, and, can't and use so this the, excuse oh anymore. The game is real simple. We have a 23-sided die, and we have a card, and on the back of the card are 23 groups that you can discriminate against our reasons. Yeah, race, and we're religion, like, you know, we'll buy your age, political expedient. Uh, ability. What we want is to not be the only one on the back of the card. So roll this and see. Yeah. And usually they'll roll it, and it's like, flip it over and see who we're going to discriminate against for the next five years. It's like, oh, you got number five. Well, that's citizenship. Yeah. And they're like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, and, well, and do you have like, citizenship? Or they're like, well... No, like, oh, well, political expedience. Like, you're on the chopping block. Well, right. like, yeah. well, we're I'm, not protecting your rights well, anymore. Wait a minute. And then they're like, well, I don't like them. Like, I, roll again. Roll, roll, again. Again. <laughs> roll again. And we're on there. The, yeah, know, we're on there. But now there. it's finally become equal. Right. And, and usually after about three rolls, they obviously say, I don't like this game. Like, neither do we. We don't like it either. <laughs> we hate this game. That's yeah. why we're pointing out how this right. works. Yeah. Right. And and it's really funny because nobody goes over three rolls. Yeah, they're like, forget they, it. Like at that point, they're like, okay, we get yeah. it. Yeah. And, and there is a, you know, there's there's a number for everyone gets yeah. equality or no one gets equality. Yeah. And But but it, it's really funny because we don't even have to explain when we're doing the game. But then it becomes real. It becomes right. like, oh, right. So, what? Like, right. you mean to say that I could be discriminated against because number one, race? Well, yeah, actually, that's what or people do. Or national origin. Or, right? you know, you know uh, <laughs> or the like... fact that you have kids or the fact that you can't have kids. Like, the fact, you know, like, these are reasons yeah. why or people... Are in the military like, or yeah. not in the military? military right, yeah. yeah. Right? It's both and, and sides. It's funny because... Yeah, we just did this because we were sort of incensed about the I was, approach. like, pretty pissed about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was and, like, I don't know. We're just going to come up and do, like, and, roll and some this dice. this one politician <laughs> claims that his utterance at that table killed his political career, which it might have. Hey. Because <laughs> wow. he got a lot of We tried out. to talk to him, but, you know, and, and, and sometimes talking doesn't make a difference. Like, right. you know, and so we do, we do what we can as we can. And, and, you know, and then to some extent people would say, well... It just comes down to the votes. Right. And sometimes it does, and sometimes it really doesn't, you know? I mean, there have been people that have voted yeah. for, like, not this president, and he's still in the seat. So yep. it's, hard to, it's hard to say some of the things that we've, we've uh, built our country on still exist, you know? Well, and one of the things, we have sort of changed our attitude, and that is from the transgender community, if you aren't going to include us, we're going to work as hard as we can to kill your law. Right. If we don't yes. get included, nobody gets it. Yes. Right. And that's new. We haven't done that until about the last eight or ten years. And we've been fairly successful with that because a lot of times these are going to pass very narrowly anyway. And if we do a lot of pushback, it seems to work. Right. And so, I just don't think that the amount of hate crimes that we've had, the amount of people that have died, like, made a difference. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, I... I'm not super vocal about this, but I just, I, I don't believe in visibility projects. I believe that they exploit people and um, it then puts you on the chopping block. Uh, a lot of people I've known that have got hooked into doing things for their community and the labels that they hold end up being unemployed in places that don't have an equal rights ordinance and things right. like that. So um, I believe that the transgender 
um, hate crimes, especially in Texas, are quite high and too high, and one murder is enough. Right. Uh, I believe that the amount of people that we lost to AIDS and the amount of people that are still contracting you know, HIV and they don't have any support are enough, that if you wanted to cry over some of the issues that impact our communities, then you would have been crying already or, uh, or just like out or to still. work. Yeah. So I'm willing to do the, the education bridge. Right. You know, but I mean, at the rate a prep commercial is on TV these days, like people can do their own Googles, right. you know. Yeah. Um, so it's a matter now of not pleading with our representation to to represent us. It's a matter right. of saying, would you like your seat? Because when I don't do my job, I don't get to work. And so when they say when that then that seems to make a difference. You know, and if we can get enough people to vote people in or vote people out, then we start to have a little bit more power. Right. And one of the things that I think happens a lot locally is people just ignore issues. I'm talking right. about politicians. Rather than be actively against them, with the exception of a couple of things, they pretty much ignore the issues. Well, uh, you know, go ahead. Well, and so I think to that point, Alex, one of the things that I think a lot about is if there's an issue happening in Austin that mm -hmm. is going to affect Houstonians, there's no reason why I should not be up in Austin advocating against that issue or vice versa mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. you know I, I find it interesting uh, and i've heard this from a lot of people related to the city and that is well there's nothing we can do because we're the city and i'm sort of like houston and harris county well houston actually is the second largest voting uh, group in the country forget about texas we're way bigger than any other group in texas and if we can't use that to influence politicians to do the right thing. We're doing something really wrong. Right. right. And, and I mean, I also think, to your point, Robin, that, mm -hmm. you know, this is our job. Yeah. Like, you know, if we're, you know, lucky enough to win, this is going to be my focus. This is my job. Yeah. And so there's no reason why I shouldn't use the position to advocate for change, mm -hmm. even if I don't have the policy lever. And that might mean going to every single meeting or going to every single community meeting or talking to every stakeholder. Mm -hmm. But that's the whole point of this. Like, that's why you run is to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And it might mean utilizing all of your tools. So some of the right. resources that those are that are in their seats have been in their seats for years. They may not have a platform, like a social media platform that you're designing with Diego. Like right. they may not have a video voice. They may not have a right. podcast voice. And, and um, you know, they may not be the single-handed represent, representative that went out there and made the difference. But when we have tragedies happen and we are having the world, it's not even just the nation, the world watching Texas with their trans hate bills and like waiting to see like are we going to fall for this or are we not like are we going to take houston or are we not are we going to take the state or are we not like right. when they see um let's say art acevedo up there saying you know what there is no crimes happening in the bathroom you're going to be causing more crimes for police to actually assist in for because of the because of the mongering that you're doing because of the fear that you're creating that's going to create more jobs for police that have very little to do with trans people right. like i need you to not do this you're going to put more emphasis on my job and i'm willing to do my job but we have enough to do like are you going to secure extra funding for more police officers that's not going to go over very well you know he had a point and he was the one to say that right. when uh santa fe uh, uh mass shooting happened 
and we lost lives that we didn't have to lose. He was up there saying, I am a responsible gun holder. I am an NRA member. I am a police officer that was responding to this. This is in my backyard and this is still not okay. I'm going to need you to do some things because our schools have been hurting on various levels for a very long time. And, and for me, Like, how can I bring that up? Well, I have a friend who lost a family member there and I have to tell her who the hell cares. And I say he does. I have a friend that, you know, whose family will never be the same. But those those people like the chief, like the representation that went up there and hearing their stories brought healing because they want to know who who's who's representing them and who gives a damn, you know, and you better believe that their district la la laws like if they weren't out there advocating for that school like nobody's gonna vote for them again agreed you know so why not take that time some people say oh it's a political stunt no maybe it's just your job yeah you know and and even if you take a couple of minutes to do something and it brings some healing to those people who had a loss then i mean isn't that a better day at your work like why not right so i think that um ignoring things in a world where there are so many platforms giving voice to it is is a loss of effort that our representat- representation could be using. So I'm glad that as a millennial and um oh, and, and I I'm I'm even learning like the X what is it? Gen, Gen Z. Z. Gen, Gen Z. Gen Z. Gen Z. I'm learning it. I'm learning it. I'm learning it. Like, I mean, you know, you're definitely giving more voice to people who didn't have voice. You're definitely, you know, bringing more visual and more documentation and more reporting like boots on the ground than we've ever had before. So we're going to have to deal with if we have that level of connection, how are we doing the work? Like I imagine as, you know, a, represent, a representative in your seat that you surely could win like you're gonna have more access to the people and then there then becomes more responsibility yep. so so it, you know got all that i'm just curious because this sort of came to mind that's a lot of stuff we're just talking about what's your background so that we can think you might actually be able to do it so great question um so former teacher so that's the first thing and you know being a teacher is not the same as being a uh, you know elected official, but I think the training it gave me was two things. One is my students um, faced all sorts of incredible challenges, and sort of hearing their stories has made me a understand issues better and b appreciate the power of story. Um, and I know that the plural of anecdote is not fact; that's for sure the case. But stories matter, yeah, and people's lived experiences matter. So that's one. Um, the second thing is, um, you know, I, I worked at City Hall. I interned for Steve Costello, who actually held this very seat that I'm running for um, two council members ago, not the current one. Yeah. Um, and I saw kind of the what um, uh, sort of an effective at-large member can do. Cool. Um, and I interned for the Mayor's Economic Opportunity Office, which is obviously the other side of the street, but still saw that aspect. So I've sort of seen a lot and been involved in a lot of local government issues. And then most recently... Um, we started and are still running an educational nonprofit that connects high school students with college mentors and college students with young professionals. And we started that with zero students, but two of my old students who were then in college and an idea. And now we have 300 kids across Houston who are connecting with a mentor and wow. 400 alums in sort of in college who are persevering through. 
And so I think that experience of starting something, sort of having a task of we want to ensure more kids are getting to and through college and then building the team to get that done, while that is not the same as enacting a law or anything like that, it is sort of emblematic of sort of how I approach challenges, which is let's make a goal, let's build a team, and let's get after it to to make it happen. And what's your nonprofit's name with the mentorship? Students with ambition go to college. Wow. Thank you. So the acronym is SWAG. SWAG. To college. <laughs> yeah. I did not come up with that name. It was a former student. Well, it sounds like a millennial. <laughs> Shout out to uh, Hector Guevara who came up with the name. Yeah. My former student. <clears throat> Certainly a millennial or Gen Z. I don't even know what the words are. <laughs> no, that's wonderful. Like a lot of people would say mentorship is missing. So yeah. that's that's really awesome that you did that. And, 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 and I really think that, not to just belabor the mentorship point, sure. but I do think that this like role model effect matters. And we were talking about this earlier about how it's important to see people who look like you yes. in the career fields yes. or the professions that you aspire to. Yeah. And I think that's important, whether it's politics or journalism or business or law or yeah. you know, whatever. And, and I think the look like you part is good. But I also think from our end, for instance, it's people who... If you see LGBT individuals and you happen to be an LGBT right. individual with the QIA plus, et cetera, that's the same Who thing. Who share your identity, it falls yeah. in the same thing. Absolutely. It's, it's an identity type thing. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so you got all these things that you might want to do. And then we have the city of Houston. We have a revenue cap, right. which is everybody's favorite thing. Yeah. Uh, how do you get any of it done it's with tricky. that revenue cap? Tricky, tricky, tricky. Um, I think about the first kind of way I approach solving things is a three-legged stool of government, nonprofit, and business. And how do we get everybody working together? So I'll give you a very simple example of a policy idea. Um, so I think summer programs for high school kids are incredibly important because I've seen when yeah. students don't have them and how they regress, particularly those students who are from a lower income background. And so in the city of Houston, we have hundreds of of companies who get contracts from the city every week. Every Wednesday, we give out millions of dollars in contracts. So why not ask every company to hire two high school interns who are paid, who are low-income kids, in exchange for getting contracts? Companies would still bid on them. They would be providing the workforce development. The city would just be the medium through which it happens. We have a nonprofit like Genesis Works that is already doing this work of managing these kind of programs, manage it. That's not going to cost the city much money. And so I think step one for me is looking for sort of partnerships that can make a three-legged stool type model of government, nonprofit, and business. I think that's one. I think the second thing is, look, we've got to look through the budget and identify ways that we can save money. Um, so whether that's, are there things we can do city-county services getting more streamlined and combined, like the Joint Processing Center that just opened here in Houston, Harris County combined? Are there things where the city can look at procurement in a way where we're partnering with, like, why don't we buy materials in partnership with San Antonio, Dallas, and El Paso to drive down the cost? Like, there must be some things that all local governments in Texas are buying. He, like, strategically left out Dallas because he, oh, da he knows that's an end battle. <laughs> <laughs> partnership with Dallas, forget it. Like, that's so interesting. That was, like, totally like, subconscious. No, but, like, I don't know why people leave out D-Town. They're just like, no, that was totally, the line. Oh, yeah. I didn't even notice that. Yeah. yeah. Like, no. did you pick up on that, too? But that was really oh, yeah. funny. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. what I was smiling Dallas, about. Dallas, forget it. Forget it's embedded it. in Houston yeah. DNA. Is it yeah, right? Diego's right. Like, what is that, Diego? Like, I have no idea, but people, like, get get fierce about it. So, you know, there are people who, when like you talk about claws. the... the no. <laughs> <laughs> when you talk about the three-legged stool model would say, yeah, that's all fine, but the problem is 
that uh, a lot of governmental agencies have their, quote, favorite nonprofits and nobody else can get into the party. And they have their favorite businesses right. nobody that, else. that basically make sure that the their favorite legislators slash council members slash whatever stay in power because, well, that's why they're favorite businesses. How do you make sure that when you're looking at it with all these partnerships that it gets spread out and isn't the same old group that has not done it well so far? Oof, that's tough. That's a big question. That is Oof. tough, but, 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 it, but it's really important. So I think yeah. one is there's a, there's a piece of this that's uh, campaign finance related that's making more reforms, whether it's expanding the blackout period. So if you give money, you cannot do city work for a year or two, you know, whatever we want to do, whether it's lowering the maximum campaign contribution limit, whether it's better transparency on publishing who is donated. So I think there, that's one aspect of it. I think the second aspect of it is having a truly open bid process um, with neutral sort of arbiters, judges. I think number three is as a council member, Sort of, we approve every deal above fifty thousand dollars, which is essentially every city count, every city contract is above fifty thousand dollars, essentially. And so we have an obligation to read those and to make sure that it they're yes. being dis- di- sort of di- distributed equitably. And as a lawyer, I think that's like the one skill I gained in law school is the ability to read a lot of material <laughs> it, in a relatively. Yeah, it, I mean, we we get uh, city bids literally every day. Yeah, uh, you know, and. and a lot of them are things that maybe TFA would or wouldn't do. The thing that usually kills us is that one of the requirements in virtually every bid is a certain number of staff members. We're a nonprofit that is 100% volunteer. We yep. have no paid staff. Yep. Now, that means that even if we can deliver on it or anything else, we have no way in. And, and there's a lot of things set up in the way the bids are written that – I can give you the 10 charities in Houston that could actually bid. Nobody else can. Yep. And I then they compete against each other. So that's not something I knew. So, so, so to me, the s- solution there is we got to change the process, change the requirements. Right. Um, and, 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 you know, and it, it's well embedded and there, there's reasons for this, et cetera. Most of them aren't accurate. But, but when we do now. decide to bid on something, we have to partner with somebody that has a lot of staff that are paid so that we can actually make the numbers. Wow, I didn't. I didn't realize that. And so, you know, and, and it it's interesting because it's like a lot of other things. Oh, it's wide open; anybody can bid unless you don't really look at the requirements. Yeah. For those who cannot see, uh, I'm actually taking notes here in this notebook to get filled up here <laughs> no, on this bid good. process yeah, stuff. I did not know this. It's good. So I mean, yeah. I can give examples, but I don't think that's I, I was going to say. I mean, I, yeah. I, we could go on and on. I, I had yeah. seven emails from the city today. Yeah. Took a quick look at them and. We couldn't touch any of them, even if we were interested, right. just because of the exclusions. Wow. And, and with a lot of the businesses, it's the same way. They're tailored for a specific business. And, Bigger businesses, and, probably. Um, yeah, I, I mean, there, there's certain contractors that always get the contract for. And if you look at a bid, you're like, oh, this is tailored for, and you can even name the businesses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. so that, that's one of the, the big things. It, it looks good on paper. In reality, it, it's basically the good old boy system just being continued. And then, and then I think my, my understanding is on service contracts, we do not have to go with the lowest bid. And so that introduces opportunity for favoritism, bias, et cetera. So I, think well, I, I personally don't believe in lowest bid contract. I believe in lowest and best. Right, yeah. And, and the reason is that lowest bid frequently is lowest bid for a really good reason. Right. <laughs> Low quality. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it's like it just won't work. 
but, but I think that's one of the things that needs to be vetted a lot heavier than we have been doing on those. Mm-hmm. So as far as like voter turnout and getting people out to the polls, whether it's uh, Gen Z or whether mm-hmm. it's millennials, because mm-hmm. they have a, a they have had a really low turnout. Mm-hmm. What um, what do you think that will get them out there this time? Well, I think um, one is the method used to target. So I think traditionally campaigns have said we want to mail, mail, mail. Um, I'm 28, and I quite frankly do a horrible job reading my mail. Right, um, and yeah. I think many of my friends who are in their <laughs> You mean 20- the physical in the mailbox I mean mail? the physical in the mailbox. Yeah. Um, I'm usually about three weeks behind, and then it goes in the trash. Right. <laughs> Just one big pile. And yeah. so, you know, I think our campaign is saying, hey, there are some individuals like those who vote by mail for whom mail is good. But there's yeah. a lot of other folks who a text message is a better way to contact them or mm-hmm. social media, mm-hmm. which uh, uh, Diego's helping us on. And so I think one is the medium. Mm-hmm. I think number two is showing up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, next week we're going to UHD to a guest lecture in a class because I think, A, it's important, yeah. and B, I think young folks need to see that city candidates care about them. You know, University of well, Houston downtown is having a candidate meet and greet, and we're excited right. to go to that. It um, baffles me that some of these places have voting polls on their campus and people still don't vote. TSU and U of H now will have early voting sites. Yes. That's huge. TSU is doing the Democratic debate yeah. yes so i mean we're excited for that and i'm like it's on your campus you don't even need a car to get to your no. voting poll <laughs> no. you know of course nobody on that campus that isn't uh special will get a ticket to the debate uh, well <laughs> i mean there's there's not room for many people i right? bet how many, i bet not how I, many i don't, I don't know. even know i, don't I know. mean many people could be a thousand that would be a sure. huge room but yeah I'm, but I'm it's, sure it's with nothing the, compared with the number of people well, I mean, even with the amount of people running it's just ridiculous yeah. how and they're gonna fill the room well, but like so we're down to but, uh 10 people now well no we're down to 10 people debating that made this debate we're down to how many 18 or 19 still people still running wow because they're dropping out slowly. Of course, the cool part is that some of them are going back to run for Senate, which to me is actually as important. Yes, yes, given the uh, lifetime appointments of the court. Yeah. Um, but 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 so so just to sort of put a bow on the millennial Gen Z topic, I think. Sure. So it's how you contact them. It's the fact that you go and show up, and then I think number three is like you know we had. I don't know, 20 or something interns in the summer paid high school and college kid interns. And so that was a huge way because then those students now go back to their campuses and talk about our campaign. Um, And we were really lucky that a lot of elected officials actually came and spoke to the interns during the summer. Um, And sort of that provided more inspiration and motivation for the students. So I think part of it is just showing students what's possible. And um, I keep saying students, I mean young people. (laughs) Our next... Uh, our next leaders, our next the <laughs> the people that are going to take care of you in the senior home. You know? <laughs> uh, but uh, one one thing that I'm just like curious about, so I'm going to take the mic on this one. Like, what people are often left with, their vote doesn't matter. Like, what 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 do you say to that? You know, like, I mean, it's more than my vote doesn't matter. It's like no one asked me. I can't fix this. It's fucking broken anyway. Do you know what I have to do with my life? Like, you know, you're handing me this shit stick and now you're going to also hand me this disbelief that my like one vote, you know, matters. Like what, what do you do with that? Cause that's a big, I don't know. It's like resentment meets disbelief meets maybe lack of education, but just also like lack of bandwidth. Yeah. I think the scariest one is disillusionment mm-hmm. that like, it doesn't matter. Well, and, there's a lot of um, 
political rhetoric out there that is meant to create that. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is a lot of voter suppression rhetoric that that you're hearing, and I, I think from one side of the aisle, Alexis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> from 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 the Republican side right. normally. <laughs> right. Uh, there, there's been a little bit from the Democratic side, but not nearly as much. Well, and I just started watching uh, Netflix. That's my source. You're welcome to it. Um, <laughs> and they they had this like documentary of one of the ladies that helped shut down Brexit. And she was a videographer, and she got hired by this firm, and she jokingly said, saturate Facebook, and you'll you'll shut down the election. And she showed how you could change your posts and your clicks and your videos and your um, uh, comments to basically lead people to believe uh, stuff that they were just just a couple titches on the scale close to already believing. So she called them the the uh, the people that they could influence, you know. And, and then they target the voting spaces, and then they target the the influencers. And next thing you know, your social media feed, your news articles that you're being handed, everything coming through your electronics and your community around you that are talking about everything coming through their electronics are now like they're literally feeding you what you are thinking the world looks like. That's scary. But it's also like she's just outright saying it now. Like she just came out about it. And uh, it wasn't just Brexit. It was also uh, the last uh, presidential election. So it's it's just now coming out like how insidious insidious it is. Well, it's somewhat insidious, but it's not new. Mm -hmm. Um, It's with social media, it's much easier to target who you want to direct it to. Right. On television, we've had that forever with advertising. Right. Uh, everybody knows you have to be thin to be liked. Uh, everybody knows you have to be this, you know, you have to eat this right thing or do this right thing or wear this right thing to be liked. And, and that's gone on for a really long time. The, the social media difference is that it can be tightly targeted and it's cheap. It's cheap. Uh-huh. <laughs> that, that, you know, if, if you want to run a bunch of television ads, you better have money. On the other hand, you want to run a bunch of Facebook stuff, it's cheap. Yes, it is. I can attest to this. Yes, it's very cheap. <laughs> and, uh-huh. and, and you get good results from it yes. because it's well-targeted, too. Right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just a quick sidebar on this. I mean, we literally can upload a list of names to Facebook. Mm-hmm. They match 60 or so percent of those names to people's accounts. Mm-hmm. And then the ads we send only go to those people. I mean, it's just as micro-targeted yeah. as we possibly want. I recently moved and um, I'm surrounded by people who like to decorate. And if they say one part of the house that they like to decorate, like the rug, the chair, the couch, the bed, I don't care. The next thing you know, my my phone is feeding me all of these ads. Like, I don't even have to do the work. I know who's having a sale on what mattress, like, quicker than that, <laughs> you know. And so it's it's like... Uh, to be honest, that part's working in my favor because I don't really have to do any work right, to research right, stuff. Right. But, but yeah, like your phone's listening and they've got it down to a science. But I just, just, just to go back to the point about folks being disillusioned and sure. like my focus doesn't matter with that and like how we address that. I think, I don't know the, the answer to this perfectly. No, but, I, but what, I'm sure you're bumping up against it. Yeah, we are. We are definitely bumping up against it. But I think the one thing that um, we've seen and Diego and I were in Clear Lake for an event, which is, for those not from Houston, south part of Houston. We were there a couple of days ago for an event. And um, I think what people and what resonates with folks is just having the conversation mm-hmm. and showing up. So um, 
it's not sustainable that every Houstonian is going to call me for every issue, though every Houstonian has my personal cell phone number. Yeah. Um, the same one yeah. my mom and, uses when she and, calls and me. I, Alex. Can, I can attest to that because I've called just to see. <laughs> yeah, it's on his page. And, and so, like, I feel like so many of the times we've had conversations with people, actually hearing people out mm-hmm. and reminding them that you do have a voice. Because I've heard people say, you know, I had an individual who called me and said, I have called my district council member so many times about this dumping by my house and yeah. nothing's happened. Yeah. And they said, it feels like nobody listens to me yeah. and nobody wants to return my calls. Yeah. And I think that's what causes the disillusionment. And it's not that people don't care or don't want to care. It's that they have been programmed yeah. to think, if I care, nobody's going to respond. So then why invest the energy? And right. what we are trying to do is say, do care because investing the energy at least with us, is going to pay off. Yeah. Or I think the second piece of this is too often candidates will say, or elected officials will say, oh, that's too complicated. I'm not going to explain it. I'm not going to get into the details. Yeah. You know, we had a question in Clear Lake. Diego, someone asked us about the budget. And so we went through and said, okay, here's $5 billion budget. Half of it's in this fund. Half of it's in this fund. Here's where the money goes. And at the end of it, I think one person remarked, thank you. For the explanation. Because wow. people want to know, I think. People genuinely yeah. want to know. Sorry getting a little bit emotional about this, but this is an important issue, I think. No, I mean, like, well, I'm, yeah, go ahead. Not like they can't understand. Right. Uh, from the teacher's standpoint, I've, I've taught a lot. Right. And my biggest thing is that if it's, quote, too complicated for them, that means that you don't understand it Correct. well enough to explain it. Correct. Well, and Alexis has spent a large amount of time explaining plenty of things to me. And I appreciate how educators have the ability to chunk things, you know, so I feel like that's an asset that you'll be able to support people in. And I'm glad that Diego's documenting it, you know, because yeah, like, I mean, not everyone is good at all things. Like I don't expect all of our representation to be, you know, great at doing the people pleasing and all this other stuff. Like if you can manage a budget, I don't need you to people please me, like manage the budget. Right. And, but, but that chunking process has been missing for a really long time. And so, um, I just appreciate that. And, um, what would you say amongst your friends and stuff? Cause I, you know, we don't get a lot of opportunity to talk to the Gen Z. Mm-hmm. That's uh, actually what I was, when you all were talking about social media, I was saying that's where like we get everything. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't go to any websites. I don't go. You don't read like, the newspaper, do you? Don't read the newspaper. I don't. <laughs> yeah. It's just all what happens on my social media. And yeah. if there's something big going on, first thing I think of is to go what's trending on Twitter. Like, right. So in terms of getting the young demographic out to sure. vote, it, I feel I feel so connected to someone whenever they are posting, like when it comes to politicians, people that are making changes. Yeah. Um, I love to see it on social media and putting it mm-hmm. in, in easy to understand uh, packages, like whether it be like 140 characters just yeah. right there <laughs> for you to, that to as well as yeah. like in a cool video like what we do like yeah just some it, it's interesting to uh-huh. to um, be involved in yeah and so, um do you do facebook at all me personally i don't do facebook See, and i think the that's thing, the same like, thing facebook is, is yeah. for old people facebook is boring yeah. <laughs> yeah so i mean people talk about facebook saturation and i'm meeting more and more people that either are uh, let's say probably like 55 and up that just got like so mad about it that they just need to unplug and they never come back to their account and they know their family's phone numbers and they're already like doing their own greeting cards and they send emails so they don't need Facebook for like all the farts that happen or 
like anyone younger than 25 because they're just like, it's boring. So, Diego, let me ask you. So, like, what are the new... So, is Twitter is the big one, you think, Diego, for, yeah, for Twitter, you and your friends? Uh, I would say Instagram is mainly everything. Like, I don't mind reading something pretty long on Instagram. Because IGTV, the picture. Yeah, the picture, the video. IGTV now gives you a longer, longer um, time span to put mm. your video on. Uh, Twitter... Not so much. Twitter is just more your your commentary on things in a in a small uh, in a small space or in a small yeah short uh, number. And, of, yeah. And, and going with the oldest person in the room, I have a Twitter account. I have sent one tweet. <laughs> <laughs> one tweet will not use this account. Was that the tweet? You know? oh, it, yeah. it was a reply. Oh, okay. uh, I have probably four people that I follow. Okay. And Instagram, I looked at and decided that I need to get older before I even consider messing with it. Really older. Yes. Oh. And and hopefully it never gets there. Oh. Well, and if Kristen was here, she is a tweeter beyond oh, yeah. beyond anyone else. Like she's got Twitter down and yep. and uh I don't know that she would Instagram. I don't know that about her. And um and I find also myself like I I'm on Instagram and I will read way longer comments than I ever would have post. Like how interesting is that? Like which is also owned by Facebook, so we're just be- we're basically being deceived. But uh I do you Snapchat? Uh, not really. No. In if what me and my friends feel like, it's just yeah. dying. If yeah. There's nobody yeah. really gets on it. Yeah. Now okay. that Instagram Stories is a thing, everything goes on Instagram. And who do you watch for news? Like, how do you get your news? For news, um, pretty much Twitter. Really? Yeah. Twitter, wow. Yeah. What's like trending? Like, I'll go through the trending oh page. This and is you'll scary. See all yeah, all yeah. news on there. Yeah. So the president's okay. speaking to you. Yeah, I like and hey, and why? What else do you want? Why, right. Like, why isn't his account shut down? Like, why? But but because he's special. But yeah. this this he is, violated every rule. Okay, so you were in Houston during Harvey, right? Mm-hmm. How did you find out about Harvey? Did you ever turn on the news? How did I find out about Harvey? Twitter. Twitter. Yeah, Twitter. There yeah. was a ton of posts about Harvey. Yeah. See, we're going on a two-year anniversary of yeah, Harvey. Real quickly, yeah. actually, yeah. that's the time that I probably was on Twitter most, just watching and pulling things in. Yeah. How Harvey. so? Why? Um, it had minute-to-minute type updates from people. From yes, like uh, meteorologists. From people I knew. Well, you know, I watch TV with our favorite person. <laughs> Well, uh, she's, she's got a thing for Rachel Maddow. So, so. what I do on Twitter, how like, I use it is like, if there's something I want to know yeah. about, I'll just type in her, for example, Hurricane gotcha. Harvey. And then all the right. tweets. And all the tweets. Yeah. And gotcha. then it'll come, top tweets will come up. Right. Which shows me like the, the big people, the, the big yeah. news accounts. And then you'll go okay. to um, recent tweets and it'll just yeah. be minute by minute. And then trending, minute. People. Diego. Yeah. And then, but that's in the trending bar. Yeah. Right. In the trending bar. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, and that's... Uh, that's educational for me because one of the things that I bumped up against, and we're going on a two-year anniversary of Harvey, so right. it's kind of like present in my mind, but I had a lot of friends that would not watch the news. Mm-hmm. And because we've been let down for many reasons along the way, and like maybe they didn't have uh you know, they don't they don't even have a TV. Like who has a TV? Like they I don't, don't have, have a TV. TV. <laughs> they don't have they don't have a computer. You're like, you know, I mean this is like privilege. And they, they like they they and I'm like, but if you if you have Facebook then you have their the news channels, you know, but if they have Twitter then they can follow the the tweets as well. But I found a a lot of people getting into some uh you know, uh disbelief 
problems because <laughs> they really didn't have any of the news sources to turn to. So it can be uh, problematic. Um, but I appreciate that. So different platforms are succeeding, and uh, that's how you got your information, and it is minute to minute. No, it's just good yeah, to know. You know, it, it, what occurred to me when I was sitting here, I don't tweet. how as a politician <laughs> do you decide which way you're going to get your message out? Because there's so many of I them guess now. It's all of we got to do them all. We got to do them all. Like literally, <laughs> mm-hmm. when we make our social media calendar of what's going to go posted today, tomorrow, next day, mm-hmm. it's like we're literally saying, okay, this one needs to go on all three Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. This one may yeah. be just Facebook and Twitter because we don't have a nice picture for it. And yeah. then we want to say, like, okay, we want to e blast three day, three times a month. And we want to send a text blast four times, right. you know, and like, and so we really have to use every medium. And then, yeah, um, you know, of course, then we're saying, okay, there's, you know, every day in the city of Houston, there's 20 meetings going on that we could go to in the evening. Right. And somehow we got to prioritize like the somehow. two I can get. I, I have seven this evening right. if I want to go. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. You know? And so you go onto Facebook and you see like a kajillion invites right. and you're like, okay, where do I go? And so Someone invited me to their wedding through Facebook. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, hey, that is not a reliable 21st century counselor. wedding, baby. <laughs> like, that's not the right way to RSVP. Oh it's God. like so much of it for us is like, okay, Raj, you're going to this and this, and Diego's going to this with Raj, and then another team member is going to this. And like, we, it's just we try to get the message out through every medium because yeah. we don't have the resources to run like some other candidates in the mayoral race, like TV ads every day. Right. Well, but, but hang on. If you're going for the people who don't normally come out and vote right. and try and get them to vote, they don't watch that. Right. Yeah. So for I'm, them, a text is good yeah. or a Facebook message. Now, you know, the people who. When you're talking about average voter age is 67, yeah, those people watch TV. Yep, and they <laughs> yeah might just might uh, read their mail too. Yeah, maybe maybe. Well, you know, you're checking to see if they're checked, and then it goes in the trash. <laughs> so it doesn't get read that much. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, it's interesting. It's an interesting time, you know, and um, we have the Houston Transgender Unity Banquet coming up at the end of September, September 21st, and. Often we look at, like, how are people, you know, receiving our message? And um, there are some very reliable email readers, and you can see that they opened up their um, their email and that they got, you know, or they went to our website and they bought tickets or they didn't. Like, you can see all that now, which is great. But then there's just so many people that don't do email, you know, so it's hard to it's hard to um, follow up with people. The city of Houston implemented something after Harvey where somehow I got on a call list for every like the calls weather the alerts. issue. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the I, and yeah. it's a little delayed, uh, <laughs> but I actually do get the call. So yesterday when they were, when there was you know yeah. a tornado cluster or a, warning well, or whatever, I don't know what was going on. It was like a lot yeah. of rain and lightning. Rain. I was like, oh, is it a tornado? But no, uh, the city of Houston called me and I was like, okay, here comes the call. And then they just sort of tell me like how long it's gonna last. And I'm sure that's helpful because there's still a lot of people, even though we are a big city, and I often often forget you know how much privilege i have being in a big city versus a rural area like half of our city doesn't have the internet right you know um and then a large amount don't speak english so i mean you have a language barrier even if you could get on the internet you know the other thing about houston when you're talking weather stuff is Mm -hmm. we can have clear skies and there be tornadoes in another part of houston right yes 642 i mean as we said bigger than some countries yeah Yeah. Yeah. it's quite huge and that that you know sometimes i'll get warnings and i'm like it's not raining at all it's raining somewhere and i'm like that's a good point i want to go back because i think one thing that we've tried to implement on this campaign that's a little innovative and i think actually is the future of campaigning and governing is an ambassador program and so the idea is look you know diego may not go block walk 
or mm. may not be interested in phone banking, but he knows three people or yeah. five people who he'd be willing to talk to about the campaign. Yeah. And so can we get people who are inclined to support us to then talk to a few other people whom they know? Right. And so the idea being peer-to-peer outreach. Right. And my thought is, or what we have tried to do is we say, look, let's build a group of ambassadors. And each ambassador is responsible for five or ten people. Mm -hmm. And then, rather than us trying to get those five or ten people a message through the mediums we were talking about earlier, have the ambassador whom those five or ten people trust be the messenger. That's important. And then... Once we get into office, right, the ambassadors become the ears to the ground Yeah. with regard to the issue. So I'll just give you an example. Let's say there's an ordinance that comes up with regard to stray dogs. Yeah. Diego, Which in my neighborhood, I have six stray dogs to every one person. <laughs> yeah. So this is a very big issue. Oh, great. Okay, this is a perfect example. Yeah, District H. So, absolutely. Yeah. So now let's say that you are in Diego's group of five or ten. Cool. I... Raj candidate don't necessarily know that your big issue is stray dogs. Right. But Diego knows. Yeah. So when we push a message to Diego and all the ambassadors that, hey, there is an ordinance coming up in two weeks on stray dogs, Diego says, hey, Raj, you should reach out to insert name of person for whom stray dogs is a big issue. Wow. And I think to me, the whole point of this is we want to, I think, get away from just engaging with voters in campaign season. We want to make it a engagement throughout being in office. That's as we go back to earlier, yeah. that's the job. Well, it's- and that gives me goosebumps because I mean for many reasons I could pick a few reasons, but but the one reason that I will pick is like our city talks about so many different topics that people don't even know that they talk about. Right. And unless you go to some City council meeting, which is during the war. Or city council calendar. Like, how the hell do you find out when and where that they're talking about these issues? And the meetings are during the week, during the Usually during the week. Like, Houston Houston Equal Rights Ordinance that we've talked about was Tuesday at 3 30 in the afternoon. Like, very, very privileged people who get to go to that meeting if they even knew about it. And, like, you know, you can watch it on some sort of channel. Municipal some sort TV. Of, <laughs> like, I don't even know that you can live stream. Can you live stream it yet? I don't no, you know. Can. You can live stream okay, it. Okay, God. You can so, live stream. You know, so, you know, that was 2014, so I'm a little still bitter. But rightfully <laughs> so. But, um, you know, it's just important because people are like, well, sitting there with their own, like, who, who matters? Who, who cares? Like, how, what is our city actually doing? And, like, a lot of people have no idea to know what they're doing. Like, they don't know what website to go to or how to even do this. It, sorry, Liz. I was going to say, it, basically that sounds like what you're really doing is building extended staff, which is obviously a good thing to do. Right. And it, you give them better access, they know what's going on, and hopefully they'll watch your back and make sure you know when there's problems coming up. Well, and our current mayor, who I have a lot of appreciation for, created committees. Right. And, 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 and he created a lot of committees. And... <laughs> And and in all fairness, like some people are like really for these committees, they really hate these committees. Like like there's oh my god, like I'm about to start a, pro- a fight. But I want to count the number of times you said committees in the past minute. <laughs> but the idea about the committees was that he would have these touching points that you're talking about, and he would have people that would communicate back and speak to communities or speak to the things that were going on. And I just have to say that that didn't work. Like right. you know, but, for a lot of reasons. But here's the thing, Robin. I think that my genuine belief. 
is people want to be involved. Sure. And so if we can say your way to be involved is just get your three best friends to vote mm-hmm. and tell you about issues. Yeah. People want to do that. And like, I think we as elected officials and or soon to be elected officials and sure. candidates haven't sure. done a good enough job of saying to people, hey, there's more to being part of this process than writing a max check right. or block walking every single day right. or, you know, whatever. There's also just talking to your community members because community matters. Yeah. I mean, let's say you don't get your seat. Like, who cares? Like, right? I mean, you're still connected to a large right. amount of people. Exactly. Do, do all of these points of interest all of a sudden become, you know, the next day something you don't care about? Like, I mean, yes, there's the disappointment that you didn't make it. But I mean, oftentimes people rerun. Of course. And then course. oftentimes, like, who's um, Dana Steele's? Uh, she ran in Clear Lake, right? right. Yeah. And uh, she has a large platform. She had a large platform before she ran, right. and she's been uh, continuously feeding amazing information to all mm-hmm. of her people and living the life. I mean, she's writing a book that I now want to read, and I am not a reader because of this damn Facebook page that she's utilized <laughs> so well, right? Like, she didn't get the seat, but boy, she's still moving things right? over there. She's still using the platform to advocate. Yeah. That's you know, it. it's like, do you all of a sudden not care about people? Because if that's the case, then you probably shouldn't have been running. Exactly. Exactly. Or at least you shouldn't have won, which means it's all good. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I have a couple other questions. Diego, back to you. <laughs> Diego's back on the yeah. hot seat. He yeah. thought he'd just so, come to do videography, yeah, but yeah, we're exactly. not camera ready. Little did so. he know. <laughs> so, so you've been running around all over the place uh, with Raj. What's something, and I don't want all of them, that you learned that you didn't know? Um, definitely the first thing that comes to mind is how many issues that small communities have that are unique to them that just I didn't know about politics in general so going out to these meetings with Raj and seeing that there are issues that need to be taken care of um it's just it's just interesting and eye-opening I guess because I I didn't know I knew about larger issues with the whole of Houston but there are specific communities that have specific issues that need to get taken care of cool yeah for for example, I like I think when Diego and I went to the Crestmont Park meeting mm-hmm. and Diego learned about illegal dumping as a critical issue of that community, yes. I don't think, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I don't think that was an issue you really thought a lot about. Not before. at all. When we were driving uh, over there, there was so many tires, like just on the side that, that as Raj says a lot, can um, make flooding even a bigger issue because it doesn't properly go down the drainage right. system. Yeah. Um, so that is something that definitely needs to be taken care of. There was even huge signs of spray paint on there saying no dumping <laughs> of course mm-hmm. and and that that is an issue in parts of houston and right. and i i think that that's actually really cool because you've lived here probably all your life i'm guessing yes and guess what there's a lot of parts of houston that you haven't seen i haven't seen i, mean, I haven't seen you yeah, quite yeah. frankly it, like, there's parts it, where i still don't want to go <laughs> like you know like i mean you know just it's so wide yeah, like yeah, yeah. No, there's parts where I don't want to go. And that's the biggest thing because it, it, it is really yeah. huge. Yeah. And uh, Okay, cool. So what would you like to say sort of as a sum up, Raj? Um, well, I guess I could let Diego sum up, yeah, right. but you'd probably rather do it yourself. <laughs> well, A, thanks for giving me the opportunity and Diego and I have the opportunity to be here and be on the podcast. Um, I think the second thing is ultimately um, being part um, of this campaign has been focused um, – it's really been focused on listening to people. Um, that's really why I got into this race was to advocate because I felt like the incumbent was not advocating for all Houstonians. And so what I'd like to leave with is 
you know, I, I, I've made three promises to everybody I meet. Number one is, you know, I'm going to work as hard as I possibly can. And we've done that on this campaign. Um, as I mentioned earlier, block walking, several thousand, phone banking, texting, etc. And the second thing is, um, I will make mistakes and I don't have all the answers. Um, and the third one is, when I make a mistake or when I don't have the answer, I'm not going to make the mistake again because I'm going to learn from it. And when I don't have the answer, I'm going to go try to find it. And whether that's reading about what other cities have done, whether it's listening to constituents, whether it's researching, that's what I'm committed to doing. And so um, this campaign is about working as hard as we possibly can, learning from our mistakes, and most importantly, listening to all Houstonians. Anything you want to sum up with, Robin? Well, I thought of another question. Oh, good. And, yes. uh, yeah, just fine. in case we have a really good answer, let's do it while we're still here. Um, there is a topic due to... Some of it is due to the mass shootings that have happened, and some of it is due to just sort of the brokenness of our school systems that I'm seeing um, with the students that are still in school and did the marches at D.C. and um, even some of our local uh, Texas students. They're advocating for the voter uh, age to be lower. How do you feel about that? Like, how can we give youth that cannot vote but are being impacted by things the right to uh say things and to have a voice two things on this um one is you know i think there are clearly good opportunities to look at uh, lowering the voting for example school board races i could see us moving down to 16 for that for example um the other thing that um we tried to start and we were not successful but i want to return to this was um there is a group um in Texas called the Texas High School Democrats. Um, it's different clubs at different high schools, and they're sporadic across the state. But one thing I was trying to get with some students to get going, and we have not done a good enough job, but I want to retry it, is what if we got a political club, and it doesn't have to be Democrat, Republican, whatever, in every high school in Houston. Mm-hmm. And they came together to endorse candidates. Whoa. And as part of that endorsement, the candidate would get volunteers to work on his or her campaign. All mm-hmm. of a sudden, high school students become a huge, important piece because huh. everybody wants the endorsement because they want the volunteer support. And huh. so if we could get some collective power, and I know colleges are now doing this. So for example, on September the 14th, I am going to um, Rice, TSU, uh, U of H, and UHD are coming together to endorse candidates. And I want that endorsement just as much as I want every other endorsement sure. because A, it's important, and B, it comes with support. <laughs> yeah. um, and so what I'm hoping is, could we create an alliance of every of like a of a club of the five high school kids from this high school, the three from this, the ten from this, all coming together to make high school Democrats of Houston, for example, mm-hmm. and they're going to endorse candidates and then get involved on campaigns. That will transform the power from high school kids wanting to meet with candidates and wanting to be involved uh-huh. to candidates coming to high school students and saying, "Hey, we want you." Nice, nice. And some people, when they hear Democrats, they think you're they're think, they think you're talking about the party. But some people are actually talking about democracy. Is that right? right? Uh, I think you're talking about the party. That's I my, was talking about the party. That's my huge pushback on it. Yeah, uh, I'm not a Democrat. Right, right. I'm not a Republican. I'm an independent voter. Right. And we are heavily discriminated against by just about everything that happens in the political system. The the laws are such that you can almost not form a third party. It's almost impossible for. an independent voter to get on the ballot with any uh, push, shall we say, to have a chance of being elected. That's fair. Uh, What I hear you saying actually enshrines that. Yeah, that's fair. So I'm totally against anything that 
in, in really schools that like, is not partisan. Yeah, I don't hear independents. Right. I don't hear so, libertarians. I don't hear progressives. And so, uh, so I was just like, it, like it, for, on one hand, like if you're party based, I could see that. But also, like, what happens if people want to just find out about democracy? Uh, yeah. So agreed. Yeah. So, so that that's a really good point for that both of y'all made. So yes, there's definitely a way to do this in a in a nonpartisan way that is just saying high school students for change or high school students for well, effective and, governance. And or, yeah, that uh-huh. would be good. And and the other thing about that is it would be really nice if at the high school level people figured out that I can totally disagree with your politics. We can have a heated discussion and not yeah. uh, hate each other forever because of it. So, right. so in Houston, there was a conference that's now in year two, it's going to be year three this year, the Day of Unity where huh. they students from both and from across the political spectrum come together. And in the first year, the keynote speakers were Ted Cruz and Joaquin Castro. Um, and this year, they had another conference where they bring students from all backgrounds politically together to discuss issues. And this is happening. Um, wow. And they're now trying to expand it beyond Texas. They just formed a... Uh, um, uh, 501c3 to expand this across the country because this is exactly what yeah, right and and I mean I don't mind if when doing endorsements they get to pick a party but I, I really have problems with the approach of making something partisan in right. public schools no agreed. agreed right and I have a huge problem with people saying oh you should vote for this person without any um yes accountability piece because i'm still i'm still at a loss as to like who holds our president accountable like i'm still very much at a loss and so and so so, and i mean hey i did my time in school right like texas school system showed me that much and so um i just think that when we do talk to people who are trying to be our representation that we know how they're going to represent us and how we can hold them to account so it's that transparent piece that needs to be put on there for example Every citizen, or I'm sorry, every like resident of the city should have the phone number of every elected official and be able to call them anytime because you're the boss. You are our boss. That's my view. Alexis is laughing here for those who can't see. I mean, I'll well, you can't see. I, was, I, I have the phone number of most of them, but trust me, right. not many people do. Right. And the right. other side is you can have a phone number, but getting it picked Get up it picked is a up. different right. story. Well, That's and fair. one of these things that they can do in these clubs is talk about like, uh, the accuracy in being covered as a media or the impact that one person versus the other will have or, or, okay, so what? So you, so you, your party lost and you don't have the person that you want. How do you still follow up with the person you got or, you know, things like that. So I think that that, that social piece, uh, gives quality to everyone's everyday life while the representation is either doing or not doing their job. Right. Like it's not all on the representation. It's not like, ha ha, I voted. I got what I wanted. Now, I do nothing. Like you still have. We the people have responsibility yeah, do, do of being the people. No, no. Yeah. The, the other thing that I think something like this could help. Uh, Texas doesn't uh, educate people on what used to be called civics very well at all. Right. I mean, we, we get people who have no clue what the legislature does versus the city council versus uh, you know county the county commissioners. commissioners versus the federal government, and, and I mean they really don't know. Texas is not high on the education list, and it also creates the most textbooks. So I have a huge beef with this. 
And and I think, you know, if you have something where people are talking about politics, it's real easy to have speakers in or for them to educate themselves. Yeah. So right. they know. I, I mean, they, there is no point in calling you and complaining about what the military is doing overseas. I mean, I'm sorry. I, I can do it because yeah. you might listen, but there's nothing you can do about it. Right. Yeah, like the, the scope of reach is important. Yeah. Right. On the other hand, if I'm calling a senator, they can do stuff about it or a federal representative. Well, and, and the other thing is just to tied up here there, there's a law that says we need to have automatic voter registration at the high schools that is not happening <laughs> it, it, you know it, 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 it's interesting because um i happen to with uh, the caucus have uh, screened a lot of the school board candidates ask that and they're all sitting there saying nothing and i'm like so you don't mind if your principals actually just disobey the law and we got no good answers <laughs> Wow. Um, and, and that to me is scary because guess what? They're the ones supposed to be taking care of this. And, right. and they're getting a lot of uh, pushback for being too invasive with the administration. But they're supposedly setting the policy. And if the policy is... That, Violate the law. If, yeah, I was going to say, if the policy is follow the law, which is a pretty simple policy to put out, I right. think, yep. then they should be pushing back and enforcing that. Yeah. I mean, I mean the the... Every student, I mean, I've had friends of mine who have gone to graduation ceremonies, sitting outside in the heat in May or June or whatever it is, trying to register people. Those students should have been registered while in school by law. I think you have to do it once a semester is, I think, the law. It could be once a year. I don't remember. But uh, regardless, like, yeah, that's just ridiculous. That's yeah, and and there sorry, are, I'm, I could go off on there this. There are two or three organizations yeah. that have talked to HISD. Uh, at length because they're perfectly willing to provide the people and and it just it isn't happening in most schools yeah diane troutman should get in on that oh she has been okay (laughs) (laughs) but but don't forget her thing is voting right not getting you registered she just makes it possible gotcha her job is make it easier for you to vote yes okay and easier to get ready everything around it but she's you know she's See? not supposedly going out learning the reach and yeah. you know, she's training the people who do the reg this will this will okay. be the civics class yeah exactly <laughs> exactly and, so, and, so you graduated yeah. most recently did you learn any of this in our texas schools graduate did i learn school? anything about uh voting in school yeah I mean, I'm sorry, registering to vote in yeah. school? Yeah, no, that was... No. They didn't not register that I know you to vote, Diego. No. I don't <laughs> Cric- even know of them crickets. bringing it up. Yeah. 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 And they, prob- they probably didn't. And, yeah. and you know... And nobody said anything. They, they, you know, from my end, I'm pretty familiar with what everybody does, and this was frustrating me, and I thought for a minute, I'm like, wait a minute, I, I can actually fix this. <laughs> and it was fixed in two days. And so you did. <laughs> and, and so I did, and, and didn't get really pushy, just called and said, this is what I've just been told that I'm going to have to deal with. And she's like, can you give me two days? Then you or no one else will have to deal with it. And that turned out to be the case. Right. Nice. Because we do have now in the Houston area pretty good people in most of the offices. Right. And even if you don't, you know, some of the people who may disagree with you on some things really do want to do their job. Right. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I would say to people newly with this election is that just because it has been that way doesn't mean it's going to continue to be that way. Like that's one of the disillusionment pieces that I bump up against is like, well, well, we've just never had any rights. So I'm like, and at some point I would like that for that to change, you know, um, well, we just, we've never had representation listen to us. And it's like, well, maybe we could start with the ones that are in the seats, you know, I mean, at some point we get to bust up that just because it hasn't been that way before doesn't mean that it can't get that way right yep so do you want to say anything to close out diego yes (laughs) me to close out um 
um, be on the lookout for the documentary that we are, <laughs> we are coming up with. Yeah, well, how, how can people be, find you again? On point. Uh, there we go. Find me, uh, my Instagram. That's mm-hmm. the only thing uh, mm-hmm. you really I can check think of. Most, yeah, yeah, the only yeah. thing I'm pretty much on is uh, D. Period Ramirez. Okay, yeah. so and and that'll and the, have the campaign documentary. So the campaign documentary will definitely be in pushed January. out by by Raj, yeah, around January. Um, okay, we so look on his like link in the bio in your bio. Yeah, though, as Diego. well as but yeah, definitely on Raj's account. Check for that and um, okay, Raj for yeah. Houston. Mm-hmm. Okay, Raj for so, Houston. so this is an after uh, October documentary. Yeah, yes, yeah, so after the January cool. once the election finishes. So, okay, so it'll be a complete story. That's right. Yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Complete... what do you do once you win? What do you do once you don't win? Oh. <laughs> I know. With bloopers. That's yeah, great. Right. I, I gotta say, are you filming two endings just in case? <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, that's the way a lot of them do it. It's right, like, it's we like, don't know where it's going. We'll film this one, then we'll write film the two this speeches one. Right just so we'll have them all ready to go. Just oh to cover bases. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, thank you for coming. Thank on. you. Okay. Thanks for giving us. One a... of the things we need to say is thank you to our Patreon Ooh, patrons. You can't forget her. Because like, yeah, don't Kristen forget, will be mad. You can go to transadvocate.com and give us a dollar, ten dollars, hundred dollars, whatever. We don't do the monthly stuff, even though you could if you want to. We're really appreciative of anything because it pays for the podcast, it pays for our paid journalist, it pays for the trans advocate and our servers and all that good stuff. And so we really appreciate you. And if you cannot give your currency of sharing on whatever platform that you're listening on and that you are subscribing to to and that your reach touches you've heard it here that it really makes a difference and we're really thankful so share and uh let it reach someone that needs to hear and about give this us podcast. good ratings yes rating it like who cares about uh our egos but really if you do a five star rating on there and leave a comment then it just knocks up that itunes sharing uh opportunity for people to find it if they search for the the podcast so that makes a difference thank you for doing that mm-hmm. and bye bye Bye-bye. bye if you're trans intersex or genderqueer and are a victim of a disaster we can help with our trans disaster relief fund And if you're going to college, university, or trade school, you can apply for one of our scholarships. Located in Houston, Texas, we hold weekly support group meetings and run the only community-owned transgender archive that's open to the public. If you'd like to learn more about any of this, just go to transadvocate.com. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Trans Advocate Podcast. We are a project of the Transgender Foundation of America, a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Your support makes what we do possible. Resistance means nothing without supporting elected officials who won't attack trans, intersex, and queer children in our schools. They can't vote, so you're going to have to do it for them. If you live in the U.S. and are not registered to vote, we can help you with that at our site. Register and vote, no matter what. The Trans Advocate Podcast was produced by Kristen Williams. All rights reserved. The Trans Advocate is a project of the Transgender Foundation of America, a 501c3 nonprofit. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the Trans Advocate or the Transgender Foundation of America.